0: My house has always been a house where everyone was has been welcomed, you know, and and I think that uh, that's part of my mom's and dad's philosophy, and and they've always opened the doors for friends, for for family. For we actually we have a, we are eight from mom and dad, and and four other brothers whom their parents died, and they were close friends to my to my parents, and they came to live with us because. Um, uh, and we are brothers we call even if we don't have the same surname we are called brothers so we are 12 <laughs> an Irish family <laughs> yeah.
1: welcome to the sports chronicle podcast in this episode Gavin Cumminsy speaks to Lancer rugby's backs coach Felipe Contepomi with the return of Heineken Champions Cup Felipe reflects on helping Lancer to its first title in 2009 and what it's like to be back in the fold Felipe, thanks a million for doing the sports Chronicle podcast appreciate it when you left rugby when you retired as a player that you you'd become a doctor and that would be we wouldn't see you again in rugby but what was it because I mean when you were younger I remember you saying you wanted to, your dream was to be a doctor because there was no professional rugby in Argentina what's changed though that coaching kind of dragged you back away from medicine I suppose
0: yeah I think it's it's um, life you know life changes life keeps going and, and it's what moves you and, and tries to to I always say you need to do things with passion, and and those things, whatever means, uh, will will take the most out of it. You know, it, it's a lot of time-consuming being a coach, but it's I'm so passionate about it that uh, um, sometimes you even want uh, a 30 hours day rather than 24 to have more time on on the job. You know, to be more time uh, um, revising, watching, seeing. So. Um, I'd say it's it's what what's moving on my passion today is rugby, and and that's uh, I, I think I'm very lucky uh, that I can or I could make decision I could choose from from being a doctor or everyday job or or being a, a coach, you know, and for the last three years I've chosen to to be involved in rugby. So um, sometimes, obviously, I always say that you need to do things that 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 really passionate you, that they are a passion uh, but also you need to be lucky to be able to choose your passion you know. and, uh, and I'm, I'm really lucky uh, in, the, in, in
1: the position where I am. Was, what what changed is what I'm asking, was there a point where you went okay I'll finish my career and I'll, I think you've, you have a family GP practice at home or was, did you go I'll go practice medicine now for the next 20, 30, 40 years? Or did you always was did rugby become such a thing in your life that you went, actually maybe I can balance them or was there a point where you where your mind changed? Um, I, I think that um, it's not that I don't like medicine
0: anymore, course, yeah. or when I was uh, practicing medicine I didn't like rugby anymore. I, uh, you're always involved in both, uh, but but I think that it's what you decide to put on your your. Your most time or your your head into is and, and sometimes there are two professions that they are very difficult to actually do both at the same time and rightly you know in terms in terms of time consuming and so on and um, and no I I've decided for rugby because uh, I was in Argentina I was with my my dad we had a, a practice and. Uh, he was retiring. I think he needed to retire. He was working too much as uh, um and, and it was a bit frustrating, the situation in Argentina in terms of that. And this opportunity came for in, in the Argentinian setup. They asked me if I could get involved. I did one year, like kind of lo- uh, trying to see if, if I was really, if it would be something that I would be interested in. And, uh, and I liked it, so I then went on full-time as a coach and and here I am and I think it's it's part of um, things sometimes they are not for for good or for forever you know you just have to leave them and and leave them with passion and on your every day so
1: it's very difficult to predict the future you know did you think your passion would get you back to Ranlett or back to Dublin (laughs) did you expect that or did it come when the opportunity was it a surprise yeah yeah
0: definitely I, I didn't think I would be coming back to to Dublin in, in and not even that soon you know but uh, um, I always say you need to be prepared and prepare yourself for when opportunities come try to take them and and I think it's a uh, I don't know how how you call it I'm, I'm I'm a Catholic so I believe in God probably something that uh, God put me in front because uh, um, f- for in the last four or five months we I've been talking to my wife and said look if I want to get better at this job as, as a coach, I'll probably have to leave Argentina because uh, we need to, or I need to, to improve, get some more ideas, and then uh, get some other ideas from from other parts of the world, and so on. And talking to a New Zealand friend, and so on, and I, I told that I might be moving. He said it's it's a good a uh, good idea and probably he spoke with an agent or something, and three weeks later an agent was calling me with some offers, To that, uh, and one was the Leinster job, and and obviously I put in my priorities. I'd say, well, I'll go for for that job if if it's possible, you know, uh, that's my priority.
1: Uh, I had other options, but uh, Leinster was always going to be, I I couldn't refuse it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. What's the biggest change, I mean, not even from 2003, I mean from like, when you left the place in the summer of 2009 to now because there was the start of 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 what it is now It was their first european trophy it was everything and did you have you when you come back this summer have you noticed dramatic changes or
0: yeah i think
1: that uh, rugby itself um, evolved quite a
0: lot in in the last 10 years you know and it's nearly ni- nine years 10 years that i i left uh, leinster um i think leinster has gone a a long way from where from where I left, inside the pitch and outside the pitch, you know, uh, not only on, on on the professionalism and, and the structure, uh, but also in terms of as a club, as uh, supporters, uh, the administration part, everything has gone way, uh, you know, it's it's a lot, it's it's far, far away from where I was, uh, wh- where it was when I left. Um, and, and it's great, you know, to see a club with a... And, and when you see the results on the pitch, um, you, you start thinking they are not a, a casualty or something that... Uh, there's, there's a reason why Leinster now is, uh, you know, it's the, it's the European champion and the Pro 14 champion. And you might not be always the champion, but Leinster has been there entertaining um the rugby or the rugby European scene for the last few years um and I think it's uh, you know it's there's a reason all why and and well it's been occurring for the last
1: 10 15 years it was um it's funny you, you, your team that you played on with Darcy Shane Brian all of them they you obviously played to win of course and all that but you also seem to always play to entertain to play rugby and all that is there more of a rootlessness now do you see it is it, as in they've got this established a nine-year winning culture that is that is that a difference that you noticed or
0: yeah um no i don't i it's difficult to compare you know teams or uh, different we had other issues at, at that time and it was more about creating a culture in Leinster that i think that now is well set up that culture and now you're fighting to thrive and 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 live uh, with that culture and and keep it up and keep improving every Every single uh, year, every single day, you know, um, it's it's a different uh, teams or, or clubs go through different periods, and and well, we are in a different so it's very difficult to compare this team with the one ten years ago when when we were in totally different periods as a club, as it as a team, as a, a history, as everything, you know. So I think. Uh, the same as we had our challenges on the days, uh, now this team has their own challenge, and it's to keep up there and and you know and try to do it again and go and and improve every day so that because at the end of the day every team will be improving and mm. and everyone will get to get to to have what you've got at the moment, so you need to
1: get better that's the only and and the only way of doing that is with hard work you know and so yeah, so Leinster have won everything. This is, I'm not pressure on you, but they brought in Joe Tamane, a couple other players, and they brought in a new backs coach. So there's there's a focus on you to kind of help them get better from what winning everything last year. Because if you don't if you don't take the next step forward, everyone's going to catch up with you. I presume is that the mentality you look at it there. We have to we have to take our attacking game to another level, or is that how you view it? Or? No, no. I, I've got my obviously you want to challenge yourself
0: as a coach, but as as I said, I, I'm a young coach and learning a lot as well, and. And I'm really uh, lucky or, or of having the opportunity to be beside uh, Leo, uh, beside uh, Stewart, Lancaster and then um, Fox, you know, they they were ready. And, and I believe more, uh, I've always believed more in the work that we can do as a team than single players or single individuals that can save a, a team. And it's the same, the same Thing goes to a, a coaching staff you know it's about what we can bring into the table each of us uh, to make this team better um, and it's not of what we've or they've brought and, and okay we bring another coach and now he'll make us better no it's about us getting better uh, as a coaching staff as a uh, the back room to prepare the players to be at their best when they have to perform you know uh, so I wouldn't take it personal. I wouldn't say that uh, if Leinster becomes a real threat in attack It won't be me who did it if Leinster are really bad uh, I don't say it would be myself who really <laughs> make them do all the knock-ons, you know definitely you have to pay, play your part and and for me um, the most important thing is to try to to give or leave something for for the players, you know, and and if you can help one, two, three, or hopefully the 60 players we've got, better, you know. Um, but that's um, I wouldn't be too to focus on. Oh, we are we are the champions, and it will all be watching at me. I,
1: I don't think so. We are we are a team, and we'll be always a team, you know. You, you mentioned your dad. Is he Carlos? He, who's? You've you a big family. Are you the only doctor? Is um, you and your dad? Yeah, you? I'm the only doctor of of the family.
0: Uh, now a niece is studying medicine, so oh. hopefully she'll keep okay. the tradition. So there
1: is a tradition because your dad did he play? Could he play for the Pumas in '64? I don't know. He, if, yeah,
0: it, they weren't called the Pumas by then. It was the national team, and uh, in '65 they they were called the pumas in the south african tour oh, Right, um, he was aligned for that tour but he couldn't make it because uh, he decided to go to london for a for a fellowship in medicine so he went two years to london and so it were other times where <laughs> rugby was uh, really amateur it was part of A small part of your life but uh, you know he had uh, uh, other decisions to to do and obviously um he would never expected that after that they were going to be called the pumas but (laughs) but uh, but but he
1: played a south american tournament and yeah yeah. did you still have a good bond obviously because i'm sure he's got a good bond with all his kids but you're the you're the son who became a doctor and was playing rugby as well and that's something that he's always talked about or was that a kind of a thing that you come in and take the practice over or was no. there, as you said, life changes? But was there a plan early on? When no, maybe he has yeah. uh, the plan in
0: his head, but not. A, it's not that we have talked, or. And also, I'm I'm, twin brother, and we are six and seven. And I said, I, I always said with my dad. Um, he's eighty now, so it's quite a big age difference, and probably he would have talked more of the plans or whatever in life with the oldest, my oldest brother. That rather than the youngest and as much as I have a, a really good uh, uh, chats and everything um, We're probably we are still the youngest of the families, you know my twin and myself and and We had more a presential dad rather than a,
1: uh, teaching on him. We got him a bit uh, tired. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We got him tired. <laughs> Dennis Hickey tells a good story that uh, he, when he quit, he went and started traveling through South America and he was staying with one of your brothers. And what he loved every night was, there was a cantapomi gathering for dinner. Anyone who was anywhere near sat down. Is that, a, that's what you used to do, is the cantapomi, did you all gather for dinner whenever you used can." to
0: uh, yeah Yeah, yeah, Like He really? loved
1: it, like he said it was, th- and then it was like, there was Beppe, your brother, obviously, who's so well known in Argentina. Yeah. There was like um there was someone of was the head of mtv there was people who were nothing to do with rugby who were qualified and yeah, you have yeah. a priest brother as well do you? yeah yeah
0: i think that um uh, my my house has always been since obviously since i remember and since i was born, always been a, a house where everyone was has been welcomed you know and and i think that uh, that's part of my mom's and dad's philosophy and and they've always opened the doors for friends for for family for we actually we have a, we are eight from Mom and dad and, and four other brothers whom their parents died, and they were close friends to my to my parents and they came to live with us because um, uh, and we are brothers we call even if we don't have the same surname, we are called brothers, so we are 12. <laughs> Uh, an Irish family <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: kind of but it was, that was so like obviously I, I remember re- reading about that that was like obviously a tragedy but it was a very normal thing for you for just a whole other bunch of people <laughs> a whole we, bunch of kids just be land into your house and become part of your family well
0: I, um, if you if you tell the story it doesn't sound normal but for us that's the the thing that for us it's been very natural and it, it occurred naturally so um, I don't know it's a uh, it's weird in some because uh, it's true. When you start thinking, oh, hold on, eight kids, and they bring four others, and in between those years, we all, we had uh, two cousins that they they were from pro- from the province, so they came and studied in Buenos Aires, and stayed living with us, and it was massive. You know, obviously we have a twenty-year difference between the youngest and the and the eldest, uh, so. We actually, we never lived the eight together because when the youngest was born, the priest was already gone. Two years later, the it's eldest Pablo, got married. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the eldest got married, so left the house as well. So, uh, but still we gather every Sunday, yeah.
1: So is Juan Pablo the eldest? is he?
0: No, a, a sister, she's, she's the oldest, okay. Silvana is the So it oldest. really
1: is like an Irish family. Somebody always becomes a priest. It's like the old school that Irish.
0: kind, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know if you have a, we have a, um, an Irish family, yeah, but uh, it's what's unbelievable I think in my family or what I always say from mom and dad is that they, le- they allowed us to do what we really love in life and uh, if you see from, from the 12, li- literally none of us studied the same thing, none of, none of us do the same thing. Can you tell us what everyone does? Yeah, it, yeah, go for it. Yeah. No uh, pressure. <laughs> the eldest one, she's um, she's a physiotherapy. What's her name? Uh, Silvana, physiotherapist. But uh, she does. Um, she's very good in, in uh, with uh, children with uh, handicapped people with in, in wheelchairs. So she goes around the world teaching of uh, how to make wheelchairs. Um, the uh, the second is a priest. The third one, he's an economist. Okay. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is um, TV journalist, uh, rock journalist. Is this Pepe? Be- Bebe. Am I saying it right? Bebe. Yeah, yeah. Bebe. Yeah. And um, the f- he was. A
1: f- you had a famous brother growing up, basically. Like there's a guy. He was. You. You would have. He would have. Everyone. Were you? you used lads seen as Bebe's little brothers, kind of a thing.
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Yeah. He's very well known back back home. Yeah. Because yeah. he's on TV every. Yeah. Did he ever yeah. interview guys? Or Did he? Oh yeah, he does lots of interviews yeah. to everyone, and um, actually he became. It's funny because he's such a. Uh, he's very funny and became friend of Bono, for example. All right. Even Bono, you know, he keeps chatting with Bono, and he became good friend of some of uh, big stars. But uh, but it's not something that he looks for. It's just it's the way he is. He's uh, for him it's the same being with Bono than being with. Uh, Whatever other friend he has is exactly the same. He mo- and who's who's next then? Next is uh, Leah. Uh, she's um, she she she's teacher of deaf people, um, but uh, she's now there fa- uh, helping with fundraising in, in some uh, uh, companies So she's more of a housewife and fundraising and helping. and Then it's uh, Manuel and and myself. Manuel he did marketing and he's now in um, Working for commercial side of ESPN and Well, I've I've done medicine and and I'm rugby coach Yeah, (laughs) and uh, then the my little sister not little anymore. She has three children, but um, I don't know she studied like or started five careers but he quit every he started every year and quit after two weeks, but now she became a, her her love for yoga, and she's a yoga teacher and for the last ten years. So um, the most important job in the world when you're over 40, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she she's more like uh, she does that, and then from the other brothers, uh, Villegas, you have a lawyer, uh, one guy that. Uh, he did a marketing degree, a, a business degree, and a master's. Um, the other, then uh, Francisco, who's just um, kind of economy, uh, but works in a, in a company. And uh, Mechi, the, the eldest, uh, the, the our the eldest sister of the Villegas, she's
1: a school teacher. It, it sounds like there was no barriers put up for you have to conform and do this? Like obviously everyone got well educated, but it sounds like it was a household where you were told to go do what you feel, or is that that how it
0: was? The only barrier would be uh, the values. Uh, We wouldn't, mom and dad will never um, compromise values, and even you can do what you want, but keep with the values that that they teach us or they thought they were good, you know, like respect always. uh, having uh, like hardworking and um, things that uh, your mom and dad will teach you. And they were always quite conscious on trying to teach us that. And then, well, do what you want or what you like more than what you want and, um, and be the best you can, you know. And was it a Catholic household as well you, you mentioned that yeah okay. yeah 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 my my mom and dad they they were Catholics well they are mm. uh, mom died last last year passed away last year
1: but uh, dad is Catholic yeah it's uh, it, like because Newman is a Christian Brothers Irish school yeah. and all that yeah, 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 like, yeah did yeah. you notice the Irish influence in it or, or um, has it kind of Gone into the background by the time you got No, there. they didn't teach us a lot of Irish history,
0: or but yet we we knew Edmund Rice's life and kind of mm. uh, word for and some things. But uh, uh, it was um, and I I've got the memory of some of the Christian Brothers playing hurling and you know what are they doing? You know, hitting that ball. But um, but uh, no, but we had a for me I think as much as I know all the problems that, uh, they've been through in, in, especially in Ireland and, you know, being a, an Irish congregation, I think that, uh, um, they've done a, a real good job in Argentina. Um, and you know, and, and not only in Argentina, in South America, I would say mm. in Peru in Uruguay in Chile. And I think it's, um, well, for me it's uh, it's what also brought me the love for, for Irish people. And I think, uh, um, so I'm, I'm very grateful with them. Uh, is it Hurlingham where you live, is it? No, no, I live in San Isidro, but Hurlingham is a club or a city uh, and yeah. a
1: club. I was there, with the GAA went there in like 2009, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it was pure Argentinian people, but with like Siobhan O'Shaughnessy names. Yeah, you can't yeah. speak a word of English. But we have
0: some Irish names in like McCormick, close friend of mine, and
1: uh, we have lots of, of Irish <laughs> descendants. That's funny. So, uh, when you were in Newman, and uh, obviously it's a, kind of a middle class education, I suppose, and kind of like here, it was like rugby was used to be a middle class sport, and that's changed now because of success and professionalism. Was that the way it was in Argentina? Was fu- football just rules like the way Gaelic games rule over here, or like, yeah. was Diego Maradona your e- hero? Even,
0: even more, I think football mm. is like in Argentina. Rugby was a middle class upper. Uh, level and now it became broad and and you have uh, some uh, community rugby and uh, it's getting bigger you know everywhere uh, in, in the country it's growing a lot but uh, football is is football you know it's like I always say we have sports like basket football uh, sorry rugby tennis and and religion that is football you know it's like for us it's, as an argentinian it's very difficult to find or
1: Strange to find an Argentina that doesn't like football, you know. what's well, been pretty pretty depressing then this summer. That that was promised so much, and he's just yeah. didn't, you didn't even remotely get it right. The team, did they? No, no, no. It it was more than frustrating. I,
0: I feel sorry for for Messi. For me, uh, one of the best, if not the best player ever, and 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 you know he's been very lucky in in the time that he had to play for Argentina because. It's not about the team or, or, or the players they've had, it's, it's, it's deeper, it's, it's even bigger, you know. It's about the politics, the, the coaches, the, some players, and, but it's, it's huge, the problem. It's not just that you sort out mm. the problem with sacking one coach and bringing another. Um, which, they tried, which
1: they attempted to do, yeah.
0: And they did, and, uh, but I think we had uh, five
1: coaches in the last three years, four years. That's a national crisis then in and Argentina. Still right? paying for four of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, what, was Diego a big part of your life as an Argentinian kid? Yeah. Um, I think it was a part of my sport
0: hero. You know. Um, Who else was? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I didn't have that many. That's why I say it's. It's kind of. Um, he epitomized everything of what you want to be as a kid, or, or in in terms of, uh, sportman, uh, or sport. Uh, yeah, a sportman, you know, like. Uh, but he's not a, an example of life. I don't think he's. Um, I think, I feel sorry for him because it's uh, obviously. Um, he's he's a guy that uh, he's he's had uh, problems with drugs and so on, and, and obviously that played uh, uh, wasn't good for his life. You can see some effects that that might have still I, I always say he's been for me he's been inspirational in terms of of as a sportman you know it's a a guy that that uh, really um, not skillful talented um, but also brave courageous and so for me he was a an unbelievable uh, football player you know
1: did you ever think like I know hernandez words well but you had 10 on your back with the Argentinian jersey on a lot different sport different thing obviously but did it ever cross your mind going, this is this is like every boyhood's dream, you know?
0: Yeah, it is. To in, wear that in number Argentina, in that, in that not jersey. On, yeah, not only because of Maradona, but um, we had Hugo Porta, you know, in, yeah. in in rugby, and and it's always a big thing to to take that ten jersey. But not not only with Argentinian colors. In in whatever football team you play, the ten jersey, you know, it's like you can't give it to a guy that that gives three or four kicks to you don't give it to a defender you know the 10 jerseys for someone uh, it's very respected uh, in argentina yeah
1: definitely Raquel May, messi whoever yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah you got to earn it the um who was like uh, actually just speaking about um like so did Did you have a sporting thing going on in your life or was it always going to be rugby or did you play a bit of football was it was it in Newman it's a rugby place yeah was that always going to be the way it was going to go for you or
0: well Newman it's they've uh, because of being a um, a private school and uh, yes rugby would be the first sport uh, but you you're allowed to do other sports obviously and and um, I played soccer till I was 18 uh, but then Rugby was my serious sport you know and and also it's it's not only because of Newman I came my family <laughs> they speak rugby a lot and and it's kind of um i think it was kind of rugby was the 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 way I was going or the sport I was going to play i've never thought of playing soccer uh, in in a competitive way um I don't know if I would have made it either because there are, it's, it's such a broad uh, yeah. there are so many many players that they left or stay in their way uh, but uh, no, but I also like rugby for other things apart from the sport, you know I think it's uh, it's not only about the game, it's it's just uh, what the way it it gives you or the way you can
1: get values out of 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 practicing that sport, you know. Um, because was 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 Manuel a better prospect? Because I think he got capped before you. Or yeah, were was yeah. always neck and neck, or no? How, no, how he
0: work? he was
1: he, yeah he was
0: better in terms of um, when we were young. Uh, he 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 was capped before, and he was the the biggest you know the project the biggest prospect in in Argentina. But then he got injured. Uh, maybe he didn't recover that well uh, himself. You know, didn't look after when he was injured. So, it, but he was always a fighter, he's a fighter and, and, and as a player, he, you know, um, I got, we got on really well, you know, apart from that we discussed a lot and, and argued a lot in the, in the pitch, but uh, definitely we, we had something that uh, we feel comfortable playing
1: uh, together. There must have been some. Well, like, there was some cool moments. The two youth playing in the centre, shutting down the in the two thousand seven World Cup in particular, shutting down the Irish midfield with Brian. And well, it was there was the beating the French, almost yeah. staying with the box. That's just seemed like a even just for you and your twin playing together, and with the magic of Hernandez at out half. Was that just a really special time? Yeah, definitely with Argentina. Definitely, you know, more than than
0: the Irish game, the the two French games for us. It was like. Um, for me, obviously, playing against Ireland was special because I was living in Ireland and and playing with many of the guys. But we couldn't shut the midfield. Uh, shut the midfield. I think that Rico pass came <laughs> came through two or three times. You know, yeah, you and two or twice. Yeah. yeah. So, and that was one of the big argues with Manuel because I said you need to look after Driscoll. That's your your only job. And well, but you know, we were speaking about best player in the world, so it's, it's not a, an easy job to look after
1: Drico, you know. Did he do okay though? Yeah, we'll, we'll take the try out of it, he did alright that day. Oh yeah, yeah, he was. That was a brilliant performance by you guys because you had to put the final nail in the Ireland team and Yeah, I think it was, we had to, um, to, to
0: uh, we, when we went into that uh, World Cup we weren't, uh, really not many people would, would take the chances of us. Going through those pool stages, so for us, the first game against France in Stade de France was was particular, you know, because it put us in a, in a good um, driving seat to go to the last game against Ireland and um, getting getting in our hands what we want. And, and Ireland, um, I think they were a bit desperate as well because they needed a, a bonus point and so on. So. Uh, in fairness uh, it was it was tough you know for 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 them and 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 we kind of played quite well in terms of playing with their pressure you know just um so yeah we we didn't see it as we were more focused on what we had to do and and getting to that quarter final and and especially when we beat france the first game we knew that if we could have a good result against Ireland, will put us through to a semi-final against Scotland. So um,
1: it was a good, uh, good, good draw, you know. Did you have some of your more enjoyable conversations with Raj and Dennis Leamy that day? No, I. You great friends on the pitch over the years. No, no. I think it's obviously your rivals, you know. And and and
0: when um, for me uh, as much as I I respect a lot uh, 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 Raj, I think he was magnificent for Munster and, and Ireland. He's um, quality I would have um, but uh, obviously inside the pitch it's it's a hard hard player to play with and and when you see it from the other side I know when you have them against it's is oh you 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 give out about them and whatever but it's one of those players that you always would like to have you on your side you know same with Dennis Lim I think he's as much as I had a tough moment um, Obviously, it's, it's it's when you play with them uh, and everyone that played with them uh, can tell you that it's, it's probably those players that you'll pick because they know that uh, they they respect the jersey and they put and they defend their colours, you know, so um,
1: a huge respect for them. It had to be that way, didn't it? Because of the way you are and because of the way Raj is, whether he's like it or not, it's very similar, isn't it? Different types of players, obviously. Yeah, different types, but
0: uh, exactly. I think that... Um, if, if there's something very similar and, and that's why probably it showed a lot in and every time Ireland and Argentina play against each other they're very feisty or uh, games and and tough games because uh, they're true proud nations you know and they both of them feel very proud of the teams they play in and and that's one of the uh, as I see it is one of the qualities of of the Irish players and one of the qualities of of the Argentinian players. And even if you take them out of of their Irish setup or whatever, if you take an Irish player playing in a French club, uh, he'll play with the same passion, you know, and and, and the same happened with the Argentinians. So then that's, well, when you put 15, o- 15 of those crazy players playing each other, well, <laughs>
1: It's a tough one. game. <laughs> yeah, there was one, there was one particularly vicious game in Lansdowne Road in, I think it was two thousand and four or something like that. Where, and it was I remember watching afterwards you and a uh, 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 Gus Pichot were talking to afterwards and you were kind of putting forward your case and all that. And in my head, all I could think was, he's got to go train him and have these guys in like a few days' time. Was it always okay to go back into Leinster after you had these crazy games against Ireland? And
0: yeah, yeah, I think. Um uh, that's the thing, you know. I think the Irish um, players they feel similar to what we feel. You know, it's like, well, they know we play each other against, but now he's on my side. He'll he'll do anything for. To, he'll literally die for for me. You know, on the day when you go for Lanza, and that's the way I've I've used to play, and and that's the way I think Irish players play. You know, and for me, it's it's. Some people won't like it, but maybe for me it's the right way to do it, you know, just you need to respect your, when you're in a team, it's everything about your team and, and uh, you respect that jersey and you do it, doesn't matter if you're with a light blue and white or, or with, a, with a blue jersey, you know, it's for me it's the team and it's the team, the, the team I defend when I, go, when I used to go into a pitch.
1: It kind of made sense to a lot of people because Ireland and Argentina were the two teams who wanted to be considered top tier and throughout all your career, when you were playing against each other, from Lons up to the, end, to the end of your career, it was both. Of you, only, one of you, only one team could make the next step up and be competitors to the All Blacks, Box, whatever. Was That the way, that was why it was such a vicious rivalry because you were both the two teams that needed to make the step and only one of you could do it, so yeah, it had to be that way almost.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's part of the draw. It, rugby is not a, a huge, it, you know. You have like literally, it, it always comes to two teams, and there's a lot of rivalry. And maybe um, in ten years, there's always rivalry between two teams. It's been England, France, and then Argentina, Ireland, and but now probably it's um, Ireland, England now, or even Ireland, the All Blacks, maybe. Uh, it comes sometimes to, to those rivalries uh, cycle, you know? Uh, and, and it also comes to those rivalries because you, you meet each other in, in crucial moments. And that's what happened since 99 when we met in the playoffs with Ireland. In 2003, we, we lost. 2007, uh, and, and it kept going, you know? And, but now it's maybe other rival that you meet each other uh, more frequently, and and it becomes your
1: your rival of the moment, you know, or, or of that cycle. What do you remember of Lands ninety nine? Because it was actually one of the best things Argentina could have ever done for Irish rugby, because it meant that they Ar- Irish rugby had to had to get more professional. Probably something that's happened to Argentina later, but losing that game to you guys in that match. Kind of was like an alarm bell for the IRFU to go. We 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 got to make sure that we we just don't have our shop in order. But what was it like? What was your memories of that? Yeah, I,
0: I was very young and and to be honest, like I didn't know what was going on really. Um, but we we won that game and then I remember when we came back because that was in Lens and we were playing France. We played France afterwards in in Dublin, and we went to the I can't remember. I think it was the City West Hotel and and all the Irish bags were there because they kind of left everything so to to come back and and we started to realize oh we've done something big and we realized that when we went back home because it was the if 2007 was a massive uh, promotion in rugby in in Argentina I think it all started in 99 when it was the first time that an Argentinian team past the qualification group uh, or the first stages, um, we beat Ireland and you know it's, it was huge, uh, it is huge to beat Ireland for, for us and uh, in those days it was massive and so I was too young to realise what it really but now seeing it on perspective it was a uh, one of the biggest win of Argentinian rugby. Yeah. Do you have any regrets about 07, do you look back and go we could have won that World Cup? No, regrets, no, because I think we, we did everything and more that we could do, uh, we could have done. But definitely, you are so close there, and, and it's not that you, uh, we just, we played seven games and lost one, you know, uh, and and it was against the the champions. So, um, and on that day, if you go back to that day, it's not that uh, South Africa really uh, had the ball and we were defending all day, we actually, the four tries they scored were two interceptions and two big mistakes from us, one in kicking, and kicking, and counter-attack, and, and the other one a knock on and they picked it and, so, uh, but that was the rugby, the pressure rugby we were we were playing and maybe uh, we didn't ha- have the experience that we needed for those stages, you know, we, so, now I don't have regrets, you know, it's just that, yeah, it, it would have been Nice, but uh, to win and it would have been a dream. Everything, you know, it's all what you want always. But uh, but I think that uh, there's a satisfaction when you you know that you've done all what you could have done and and that uh, that you know you, you for me that's success as well. You know, it's not just winning or the result itself. What brings success is is the way or how or what you've done. Uh, to get that result that really makes you or not successful, and when you do 100% of your possibilities, is you're a successful
1: team player, uh, group, whatever. That's kind of the standard you just want to get back to again. And like, so much has happened in Argentina rugby. There's been a professional element. You, you've been in on it, coaching at the professional level. Are the right people in the right place now? Are you making? I heard. Think I heard you said you have still got another twenty years to catch up with some of the top tier nations. Or well, is, are you going in the right direction now? Because we see a lot of defeats of the Jaguars, and the it, it, uh, rugby championship has been difficult. But do you feel like the building blocks are in place now for you to kind of really go and move up? I, I think we are in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. But um, it's not that it
0: will happen from one day to another. It, mm. and, and when I say we are twenty years behind. Uh, tier one professionalism is because literally the first professional team in Argentina was the, uh, became two years ago in 2016, three, now two and a half. So um, you can take that to the late 90s in Ireland, in England or wherever and and you'll see it's, we are in that situation. And obviously you learn from other mistakes or things that other nations have done but we have a, a, a situation that it it ta- it will take time for the administrative become professional for the public to understand what is professionalism we are very uh, a club amateur passionate uh, people and and some guys they can't accept that you have a professional team now you know so it it takes uh, a while for that players to become professional, coaches to become professional. Um, And it doesn't happen from one day to another. We are in the right direction. I think we have the right people in terms of coaching. Now with Ledesma, Quesada came back. They had a a huge experience abroad, you know, both of them. Um, So um, I think there's very valuable people there but but still will need some time. I think it will take some time to be
1: uh, where we or where I expect and we w- would like Argentina to be. You know, it's it's literally in the D- New Zealand coaching manual that y- they say when you get to a certain level at MPC, you are to go overseas, go to the Northern Hemisphere and learn your trade, learn how to coach in that winter. Like, did you get? The, were you the blessing of our uh, Argentina be coming over here? I'm not saying you're you're coming to do it to go back, but just if it's it's a really good idea to send someone like you here. Obviously, from their point of view.
0: Yeah, um, to be honest, there's no other, it's not that they, they've sent me. It's like, I, I feel that if you want to learn, you have to go and, and learn your traits in other parts because that will open your mind. We'll see how they work in Europe. Um, it could be, who knows, maybe in the future, uh, in, another, in another place, but for the moment, I'm focused on what I can learn and, and get better every day at, at what I do that is coaching in Leinster, you know, and, and that's my focus. What I will do in the next, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a futurist, you know, so for me, I don't worry about what will happen. Maybe um, I'm not worried if, if I'm going back, I can't plan it, you know. Uh, three years ago I was working as a doctor, now I'm a coach, so it's it's kind of, and, and five years ago I was a rugby player. Uh, you don't you can't
1: program, it's not life is not like that. <laughs> Fair enough. The I just want to talk to you about your original time in Leinster. I remember you came in and the first season was kind of scuppered by not being not being registered and then the second season I think it was David Hallwell in. Can you talked about us that initial, before Check and the whole thing really took off for you. Was there a, it was a difficult enough first few seasons, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, but that's part of what I'm saying that uh, it was early days in professionalism here in Ireland and that was fifteen 16 years ago well that's happening in Argentina now so it's kind of that's that those are the things that um, Ireland or people in Ireland the people that manage the, the, the Rugby they learned and, and they got better and they are getting better and, and things started to get in place but it takes time and for me it was I uh, I don't think frustrating you know because I was um, at the end of the day obviously you want to play in Europe, you want to play Heineken Cup, and that's the big goal we had at the, the time and so on, but I I'm still was able to play the Celtic League, and, and for me it was, I didn't care much about which game, obviously you want to play in big stages, but uh, every game was important, and, and I can't remember, I, I don't have a bad memory of those years either, you know. And then the second year when David came, um, I had a bad injury, uh, a neck injury in, um, in June, so I had a, a, a collar for six weeks and um, and literally Declan Kidney just brought an out-half because he thought I wasn't going to play again, so um, I've been focused on, on proving him wrong, you know. Uh, I said, yeah, I'll play and I'll come back stronger and better player and, and that was my focus on those days, so I can't remember them as, a, as a bad, bad days, um, probably they even helped me to,
1: to in my career, you know, later on. Declan went home then and when Michael came in, uh, like he, he just, everyone knows what happened, you know? but for you and Michael Cheka, even that first pre-season, um, how the relationship seemed like it was a perfect match for the two years, but was it or how did it, how did it develop?
0: Um, um,
1: Michael as he think doesn't suffer fools. <laughs>
0: Ma- Michael is a, it's it's a, it's an Australian guy, but with a Lebanese um, uh, blood and and kind of he love kind of I don't know where, but probably he had some Latin blood as well somewhere in the trade in his family because he's uh, you know fiery guy and. And that's why maybe I got on well at the beginning, and, and got on. And I think the other thing is the the way he wanted uh, to play rugby suits me, and and I liked it. And I, you know, I'd say, oh, oh yeah, this is what I how I I feel rugby and how I like rugby to be played. But um, but uh, yeah, we we got on um, in that sense. And I think again there was a lot to be done as a club not a not only on the team and 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 um, then I remember Leo and and Jane Jennings coming from Leicester they brought a massive um, influence as well in terms of culture or getting a a, a, you know playing for the jersey and getting what literally what monster had in those days that the guys will play for Ireland and then go and play for for monster and die for that and, and um, and we needed to create that and, and slowly it w- it's been built and and now you have probably Leinster is the is the team to to imitate you know mm.
1: there's two games from that period i want to ask you about 2006 lands road against Munster the semi what's your memories of that day
0: yeah i think um yeah it's, it was a hard day obviously because uh, everyone was expecting us to to step up and, and, and do what we've done in in, in Toulouse uh, 15 or I don't know how many days before, uh, a month before. that. But in fairness, when you see it now, it was never going to happen, you know. Monster was a team that was coming from three finals or two finals and um, they were there, uh, they knew where they are going. For us it was all new and and we were excited, and, and that's maybe what brings you to reality and, and makes you be the, the team that you become afterwards, you know? Sometimes you have to go through those moments to become the team you want to become, and, and as much as it hurts because uh, it was monster, obviously, and Leinster, and it, it, it stays in memories, um, I think it's one of those games that you take or look back and you say it's it was a learning curve and and a good learning curve you know and mm. um, and and maybe it was big because it was literally two styles of rugby clashing each other you know and and that's good uh, to show that uh, there's no one way of playing rugby or, or a good or bad way of playing rugby there are different styles and whoever can impose their style maybe when you have two Two different, different styles. Maybe whoever can impose. You have to learn to impose your your style of rugby or or your your philosophy. You know, and we didn't that day, and and that's the truth. And 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 then we've learned that that we needed to be much better than only one trip pony to Toulouse on on the day. You know,
1: and and I think we became a better team after. And the day that you took that big leap that you talked about was Crow Park, wasn't it? it was that a bit bittersweet for you, though, because it was the day you beat, you finally, you finally made the step into a final, and on so many wells you'd got, you'd, you'd played so much to do with getting Leinster there, and then what was it, twenty minutes or thirty minutes? Yeah, I, I think can't you got run over, Raj, once, and then you, yeah, you'd, you'd, then your knee went to, in a couple of plays later.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I did my knee that that game. Uh, yeah, obviously you have the the, you know, it's part of being a, a, a sport guy or a, a rugby player. You you know the. Those things can happen, you know. Um, for me, it's not a it's not a sour day for, or saying oh I, I broke my knee. For me, it was all about Leinster, and and we won, and we had what we wanted, that was to go into a final, and and then we got the final, you know, um, and and as I said, in a team, everyone has their part to play. Uh, not only the 15 starting guys or the eight on the bench but also the guys that are not playing and if everyone does their job at, at their best for the good of the team um, you have better chances and that's what we try to create at those days even myself not being able to play i i from day from this following day i just put myself in the service of checks and 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 said, look, man, whatever you need me to, to do is uh, scout, look, for,
1: do the research in videos, whatever, I'll be there. And that's what we did, yeah. Do you, uh, do, were you surprised by how good Johnny was in the Crow Park game and then in the final? I knew, we, you, I knew you knew his talent, obviously, but were you surprised yeah, me. what not he did? Yeah, I'm not surprised because I've
0: trained every day with him, you know, but I was really, uh, st- I think he was amazing, you know. Uh, it's not that, uh, oh, where he came from. We knew he, he was ready and, and obviously um, we could see now the way he did it, yeah, that's uh, when, you, when you put all in context, you say, oh um, yeah, maybe it was too much to ask from him and he delivered, you know, but, but uh, at the same time, when you are in that moment, you don't think it's too much, you know, it's, you can see he's prepared, you're training every day with him um, and well, Johnny is Johnny, you know. Um, now it's uh, it's easy to to talk about that day. Now with with the player he became, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was a big big ask for him, and obviously he delivered. But uh, it didn't got me as a surprise because I could see every day training by himself uh, beside him what he's capable of. Were,
1: were you conscious he was getting pissed off with the fact that the 10 jersey was stuck to your back? Because, like, he was 24 at that stage, you know what I mean? And he was, probably in his own brain, he was ready to go. Like, were you conscious that how were you, conscious that you had to keep him down, basically, this really good young player?
0: No, uh, you know, sometimes when you are, when you are young, you, um, you always want to, to play and you think, oh, that's my moment, I'm ready, I'm ready, and maybe you're not. And, and sometimes you have to respect Nature life and and the times you know, and and I think if things happen for a reason and, and Look after that he became for the last 10 years uh, And now one of the best I'll have in, in the world if not the best you know with Buden. so um, I don't think that you have to regret it, or, or maybe put it the other way around if I wouldn't be there probably he would have played with 21 On a on a team coming out of the World Cup deception in World Cup. How hard would have been that you know and or 22 I don't know uh, in 2007 and Maybe we wouldn't have had those 10 years of Johnny. You can see whatever the way you want or uh, I the way I see it is like Things happen for a reason you know, and I remember he's after the in 2008 He was called after the World Cup, he was called for the Irish camp, and we played in Leicester, and he got injured, his hand, and he couldn't couldn't make it. And I remember I spoke to him and said, look, things happen for a reason. Maybe it's not the time you have to go on the Irish setup, You know, and that's, it, it happened because it happened to me. I was, my first call for Argentina, I had an injury and I couldn't make it, and then it turned out it was to Japan in 98 and it turned out to be the worst Argentinian tour ever. In terms of result, in terms of the guys that got into that plane, the young guys, most of them didn't play again for the Pumas and some of them, it took them like three, four years to go back to the team. So at that moment, I was devastated that I couldn't go into that or get into that plane. But then when you see, oh, Thanks God, I didn't. I didn't make it, you know, because uh, so sometimes you have to respect time and and maybe the reason why things happen, you'll find
1: it a few years later. What, what was um? Could you head off that summer? Then was it too, too long for a four-year deal or what? What was the pros? Talk to us a bit about France. Will you, you did two years there and then checks, The Czechs drag you up to Paris or what? What was your thinking first when you said right? I'm off. I'm going to. I'm going to go play some top 14. rugby? Um first of all it was
0: like a challenge for me and i wanted to to try to make it to the 2011 world cup and to be honest um i was in my comfort zone here in in ireland you know and and i said well look i i I haven't played in top 14 and it was a a big challenge for me and and that's why i moved um and and then Everyone says for the money, but uh, I was offered a very good contract here in Leinster to stay in Leinster. But uh, I remember talking to Mick and I said it's not about money; it's it's about I need a challenge. And um, and I I've, I've uh, I moved on, and 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 yeah, it was a challenge. It was a big challenge in Toulon. Um, I arrived injured, so it took me
1: um, six, four, four or five months to I think to you get got into. back just I think it was a six-month injury and I think you got back just on in November like so bang on yeah I think he nailed six months yeah yeah exactly um, so I just got back in
0: November um, and well and I started a race to prepare myself for the World Cup um, for that 2011 World Cup also I was the captain of Argentina so I wanted to be to go to that World Cup and and um, well and things in Toulon you know Toulon is it's, it's a great place uh, there, but it's a tough club in terms of the way that it is managed. Uh, and, well, it is, I don't know if good or bad, but it's, it's strange. <laughs> um, they were just and, pumping uh, money in back then, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, and Murad is a difficult guy, you know, <laughs> he changes players as figures, you know, like, as, as, as you know, uh, difficult. Was Laporte coach? No, no, no. With I the was MAGA? with uh, Philippe Santandre. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. And I left. Um, and then uh, I remember I had uh, good connections in Staff Francais. And, and I knew Max Wazzini. And I knew uh, who was, And the year, and the previous year, they were looking for coach. And, and Cheka was there. And we talked and said, well, look, he could be a good coach for Staff Francais. And, and then Checa went to Staff Francais. And he told me, would you come? And and um and well i i had a i said, okay, after work I'll go two years and and that's where i i i went and and then checo was sacked French rugby is fine mate. yeah, yeah, um staff francais has i don't know
1: nine coaches in Eight years. Because in theory, there's no reason why Czechia shouldn't have worked and you should have worked and Stad should have been a really good experience, but it didn't work out, no?
0: No, no, it, yeah, it was, but it's always when you don't win in Stad, you know, like players were blaming coach, but they were the same players with eight different coaches and still we weren't winning. So I think the problem wasn't the coaches, <laughs> maybe it was the players, I don't know. Fair enough, uh, fair enough. But it's, um no, it's something. It's it's weird. Uh, well, not weird. It's different. When you come from a, an Anglo-Saxon uh, mentality uh, like England, uh, Ireland, Australia, and you go to France, um, it's different. I don't know if good or be- for better or worse, but it's different, definitely. And it's a challenge, you know. And and sometimes those those years, uh, they are the years that. Um, you learn the most, you know, because you, you get to understand different way of thinking, uh, the way they think, the way they, they, they react to problems, uh, the way people, um, I don't know, it's,
1: it's a good learning curve. And not, not too much left, but I actually wanted to ask you about Royal College of Surgeons and how that all happened because, you, and I think you talked about it at the time, you were father of a young girl, you were a professional rugby player, you were doing your finals and then you are into Beaumont, like, it, that's, pretty much impossible to do or right on the edge of talk to us about how you did that
0: well i don't know i think again it's it's the passion that drives you through those uh, because when you when you put it like that objectively and, and when they ask me how you did it i say well when i start thinking I say well i don't know how i did it but maybe it's the passion that makes you um there are always the boundaries are are in your mind you know and and if you have something that can push on those boundaries, um, you'll get over those. Um, and I think the passion is the, the big question or the big answer. Uh, when you have something that you'll really put the extra yards and the extra, um, you'll do it. You'll find your time, I don't know where. It's only, it's still 24 hours a day. It was at those days and now uh, each day, but but you, you find your, your time, I don't know. It's funny enough that's the way we react, you know, the human being. It's like uh, we put our boundaries in our mind and sometimes you need to, to challenge and, and your boundaries, but you have to have a good reason to challenge them. And that's inside, you know, the passion.
1: Hmm. Um, Are you do, you're doing it at the moment, So, which is more difficult, trying to balance all of that, young father, medical studies, professional, and just being a coach now, which is 24 seven, obviously. <laughs> No, well, it's uh, it's different, I don't know. Uh, But it's the same thing, really, it is. You're you're, you're doing it right now, aren't you? You're pushing that boundaries that you talk about. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. I think that um, when you, as a coach, um, it's quite difficult in terms of, um, I believe that sport is for the players and by the players and and they are the center of of any any sport, you know, Um, but you in the back room, you you spend a lot of time trying to create that place to to put the players up there and and um, and sometimes obviously they might say oh, it's it's very sacrifice and you might not get the credit that uh, that um, for the sacrifice it's even but it's such a lovely thing when you do it with such a passion that uh, you don't care about the other things you know and and I think again it's it's that passion that uh, that nails it you know that really you don't care if it's 24 7 and you don't have the, uh, days you have to find the balance of for your mental uh, <laughs> mental state you know but uh but definitely it's um it's something it's very intense very intense and
1: well it's it's lovely yeah <laughs> you're conscious though you because i always ask those people like because most people we interview are just so busy and like you find time to actually live a bit of life, and you, you see the, the the huge importance of that of taking a break, coming up for air. You know. You-
0: yeah, and 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 I think also it's in my case, um, you know, my wife. It's really a good good uh, support for me. It's like um, she know Like she made a a, a big uh, decision of coming first time living a, a abroad, uh, coming and. Uh, with me, uh, uh, we are in our forties, and, and you know it's it's a big. And she spent a lot of time alone, you know, and uh, but never complain. At least for the moment. <laughs> but it's uh, I think it's um, it's something that uh, you need that support, you know. And I don't know. It's 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 not easy. It's not easy. But uh, when you come back home and you can. Find life as well, you know, in in your partner, in in, in your home. Um, it makes it easier, you know, because it's very intense. But sometimes I can really drain mentally, drain, and and there's never there's never something that oh why wow, you've been so many hours or this or that. No, it's always like okay, let's go just disconnect. There's always something that brings you uh, and you can enjoy life actually, you know, as much as I enjoy what I do and I, I think it's intense. You need to disconnect sometimes, yeah. You gonna get any of these brothers or sisters over to Dublin anytime soon? Oh yeah, I, uh, that's your thing, yeah. Hopefully um, people will come and visit us and, and you know, it's a, it's a good excuse for them to, to also to travel. So, so yeah, hopefully we'll have visits and that takes you out as well from, from the
1: uh, everyday job, yeah. Oh, just before, uh, just and at the end of just before you went back into coach and you did a bit of anti doping and what were rugby and water, and you as as a kind of a representative of them and all that, and you spoke quite passionately about um like the underage threat to underage rugby and all that. Um, what's your take on that? Like because like teenagers, the the doping problem would if it's going to exist in rugby, I don't know if you think it does, but if it does, it's going to exist possibly with teenagers or with people at the end of their careers. Do you see that or you've worked um, on that a bit, haven't you?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still working with with World Rugby in anti and still involved. That's why I said passion. You know, mm-hmm. medicine. You can't get rid of medicine for for everything uh, for good, um, or or the other way around. You don't get rid of rugby for good. It's a. Uh, I'm still with the uh, World Rugby in 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 the added commission, so in the anti-doping consultory commission and. Um, and yeah i think that um uh, doping is is something that we need it, it exists we can't be unfortunately we are um we are getting uh maybe not the real dopers and sometimes we get the lazy dopers um but it's something that it, it's not it's not a job or um or something that we, we only, whoever is involved in anti-doping has to look after. It's a responsibility for everyone in the sport, in the game to keep it clean, you know, for the coaches, for the players, for the teammates, uh, for everyone. Because when we speak about uh, rugby and the values of rugby and so on, the values are, I don't believe they are from rugby. I've never got respect for passing a ball the values belong to the people and what rugby does is the is the way where you can transmit or the the medium to transmit those values and it's a great uh medium and uh or pathway to transmit those values and and um doping is all all about values you know it's it actually reflects exactly uh what you want from a from a sport you know clean healthy um good example and and doping it goes against all those values and it's not that you make take the values out of the sport is you take the values out of yourself so the values are ours the
1: the people should we test in schools we don't test in schools here if you get to a representative level you get tested but do you think I
0: believe more in education than rather testing testing is one part of of Attacking or getting into doping, hmm. education is the big part for me, especially in young age, and you should, and that's why I get I say everyone should get involved, and not only uh, the DCOs or the or or the anti-doping agents or whatever. It's we all have to get uh, involved, and education is massive. I think that if a if a, if a kid understand the problems he can do that, but not only. The problems, physically, own problems he can get from doping, but also um, the harm he's doing to sport, the harm he's doing to himself. That that's not the right way to achieve things. Um, maybe we that's more valuable than testing everyone, because I think also it's very unfair to test someone whom you haven't said that something is wrong. You know, mm-hmm. if a guy if a guy goes and sees something and takes it. And you say, no, uh, you haven't touched him, that things that are not yours, they belong to someone else. And then you put him in jail because he grabbed them and he wasn't touched. It's very unfair, you know. Mm. Um, well, if, he, if he's an educated person, that he understands that that thing doesn't belong to him, belongs to someone else, but he grabs it, then that's different.
1: Yeah. There was a big debate here last year over uh, Gerben Grappler. Should he, he, he'd served his ban? So should he be allowed to go play rugby? And there was, a, just, there was a media uproar, basically, and there was a public outcry that should he be allowed to continue after he'd served his band in Irish rugby? And w- what was your take on that, having a guy who served his ban and gets a contract? Would you be OK with that, him coming in, after he's served his time? I believe in second chances. You know, I believe in people that uh, can
0: learn from, from things you've done wrong. No one is perfect, and you don't... You, you don't... Uh, but you you don't learn everything from from the day you were born you know you learn through life and, and through experiences now obviously uh, we have to see why he doped and he, and and probably he would be someone that he would be ex- stigmatized and he say you know he's dope or whatever and and he had to live with that and cope with that and take it and you know it's what be responsible for his acts but I believe in second chances and if he if he can prove and and prove all the time that he's still he's clean good on him you know it's it's a it's a good actually I think it's it's very valuable uh, but definitely he would be someone that you should be looking at and saying okay prove me that you're you're clean you know and and that's the big thing of um, we need to to take even the players you know like when you're taken into a test or I've been followed or I've been, you know, it's like they take it personal. And, and I think it's, it's the the other way around. It's the chance for you to show that you're, if you are clean, what's the problem? Test me every day if you want. <laughs> Why, why would be a problem? Yeah, you know? Serena
1: Williams was saying that even, like she, she got her back up over the fact that they come to her house, she got annoyed, yeah. you see. Yeah, that, that and, and
0: I understand sometimes the privacy, and there are issues in, in terms of the whereabouts and the privacy and this and that, but if, if I would be playing now, it's like, yeah, come test me, I have no problems because I'm clean. Mm. Um, you should, it should be an opportunity to, for you to show if, and if you're the best in the world, it's the best opportunity to show, yeah, yeah, I got it by being clean. And if you are clean, no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a big if. <laughs> no, but I think it's... This is uh, gonna be
1: something you're gonna be talking about long after you finish coaching, I think, you know what I mean? It's gonna be, cause it's, I think you, well, you might be a doctor longer than you're a coach, do you think, or?
0: Um, I think it's, uh, you you do it again, it's, i 'm I'm conscious nowadays you know when I see when I coach professionalism and, and coming on those i think that the doping in rugby uh, I might be wrong with the stats now but um, I, I think it's it's even bigger in in young in young uh, guys coming through and in tier two teams and why because they think that they need something extra to become an All-black or, or the an Irish player or to be and no and they don't understand that you can't replace hard work learning Getting better going out on the pitch and kicking with the with appeal the you don't replace that you have to there's something Else that it's not about what you take is what you do to improve every day as a player that brings you to be the best in the world and not just by taking supplements or, or steroids, you'll become the best player. You still have to pass the ball, you still have to tackle well, you still have to nail the, the kick, and, the, and the, you only
1: do it if you practice, if you do your hard work, you know? And then finally, um, what's changed the most, it's kind of a two, two-prong question, what's changed the most for, in Leinster, and what's changed the most, like forgetting about rugby, like being back in Dublin, what's that like? Uh, what changed the most in Leinster? Well, definitely the setup.
0: From when I started and when I left, it, it's a massive change in setup. When I started, there was a porter cabin that we trained with, and now it's a first-class gym setup and structure and, and everything. You know, uh, when I left, we were getting better behind David Lloyd's, and but still, it's not what we've got now. Um, and and I think. Adding to that setup is the amount of staff, backroom staff you have in, uh, for them to get better, you know, for, to put in place the, the best opportunity to give every Leinster player the best opportunity to be the best he can be. And I think that that's, that's in place. And, and it's now about them <laughs> getting better and, and take, making the most out of it, you know. Uh, and I think most of them does just do that. And uh, from Dublin, uh, Wolf, if I, if, if I have to to make my first impression for this month and a half, uh, the weather. It's been amazing. <laughs> you know that's not going to last, yeah? Yeah, well, then, then we'll talk in another few months. But uh, the weather, it's, uh, it's been amazing for this month and a half. Um, but apart from that, I think, uh, Dublin obviously developed as, as a city. It's, uh, if you see even the where this part, the north part of, of the city and the keys, and uh, it's, it's developed nicely. Um, but I think Irish people are still the same. They are friendly, they are, keep, and, and that's, that's a good, good thing, you know.
1: This is the Sports Chronicle podcast.